What's up, everyone? Welcome back to UCLA Radio's this sports section of the Sunday Radio. And today we're doing something a little bit different. So Amber came to me and she wanted to, you know, pitch her idea for a podcast. So Amber, why don't you tell us a little bit about your idea? Then we'll introduce our, you know, our first guest for today. Yeah, so my idea for a podcast is like the So Your Significant Other Likes Sports Support Group because I don't know about everyone else, but I personally spent a lot of time learning about soccer because I was into a guy who likes soccer. And honestly, like, <laughs> I don't regret it all, but also I don't because now I like soccer. Um, but I just feel like no one else should have to go through what I went through. So this is just like a condensed version of knowing everything you need to know about a sport um, so that you don't look stupid if you're trying to impress someone. That was a great way to put it. Yeah, and I love for it. Our, our first um, sport, we're going to look at fencing because in LCC Theater Company, we have one of our members who, correct me if I'm wrong, Tiff, but you competed at the Junior Olympics for fencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not just, you don't just do fencing as a hobby. Like you were like a pro at this. So first question, I mean, first introduce yourself. And then our first question, like onto that is how did you start fencing? Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Tiffany and I'm a second year economics and film student at UCLA same yeah twinsies (laughs) so um yeah I did competitive fencing for over a decade and I did compete in the junior olympics five times and everything changed during like college decisions originally I was going to compete division one NCAAs for UCSD but then I got accepted to UCLA and broke my NLI contract which was the hardest decision of my life, but I don't regret it anymore because I met these lovely people at LCC. Um, But yeah, so I first started fencing when I was seven. Um, Originally, I wasn't interested in fencing at all because I thought it was a boys sport. Um, My dad did fencing when he was younger and he really loved the sport, so he wanted me to also like at least try the sport so he first brought me to a community center um this was not a competitive club um he just wanted me to get the field fencing so at first i did not want to do it because again i only saw guys and i was like oh no i'm the only girl it's an old boy sport and then i finally tried it and fell in love with the sport and yeah, started training, and that's how I got started with fencing. I mean, there's so much to unpack just there, but just right off the bat, when was the first time you, first of all, tell us what the the, the, the name of the outfit is, like the thing where like the, the caged face, because I have no clue what that's called. Caged face. <laughs> yeah, what, what is the outfit called for a fencer? Okay, well, there's many equipments, but the one you're talking about, the caged face, that is called yeah. a mask. Okay, that's the obvious name. I thought it had like a a super cool name or something, but uh, yeah, mask is good. No, but so there's three weapons in fencing. There's foil, saber, and epee. Foil's the best. (laughs) I do foil. Um, But so we, every fencer, regardless of the weapon, we have a mask. We have a sword. It would either be foil, saber, or epee. And Fencing is actually the most 
safe sport of the world just because there's so much protection even though everyone's like oh you're stabbing each other with swords but it's actually super safe because of all the layers of protection you're wearing underneath the jacket so the first layer you have is called an under armor and on top of the under armor you have a chest protector and then over the the pants called knickers and you also wear long socks in tournaments so that's where all this oh also you have a glove sorry <laughs> and that's where all the similarity ends for all the weapons so if you're a foil fencer you have a vest that can conduct electricity and that is called a lame um, and saber you also have a vest except the vest has sleeves and an epee, you don't have a vest. Your equipment ends at just the jacket. Um, yeah, and the way the equipments are connected is through a body cord, which runs through your jacket. It connects to the box, which is connected to the piece, but in America, we call it the strip, because um, Americans, but, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, body cord connected to the box, which is connected to the piece, and body cord runs through the jacket, which is connected through the glove to your sword. And that's how the electricity is conducted when you touch someone's lame or an epee when you just touch the jacket. Um, there's so much to talk about fencing. Like each weapon has their own set of rules. Sorry, I'm like going out of order. Oh, that's I'm organized that's now. <laughs> you said electricity, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> What? Where does the electricity come in? Because I, I, I did not know this. Okay, so the vest is metallic, and that's the way we know if you hit your opponent. Um, fencing is such a fast sport, so the referees oftentimes cannot see if you actually touched your opponent. And in high levels of events, we have slow motion cameras, um, so we can ask for instant replays just to check um, if the referee called the correct point. Um, so, sorry, your question was, how is it electric? Oh yeah, I was just wondering like where the electricity comes in because I, I didn't know there was electricity involved. Oh yeah, so the electricity comes from the body cord and it's connected right. to the sword and the box, which is connected to the strip. And in the center of the strip, there is a score box and it will light up if you hit your opponent. Right, and just like, in layman's terms, you get points by hitting your opponent at different parts of their body, right? According to the rules of your weapon. Like for foil, you only score points if you hit the lower half of the mask called the bib and the lame, which is the vest. Um, in saber, you score points by hitting the entire mask and the lame, which includes the jackets. And also in saber, the glove is also um, there's also a layer of lame, so the glove counts too. And in epee, um, you can hit absolutely everywhere. So there's no lame if you hit the mask, foot, hand, whatever. It, it all scores. Okay, gotcha. Nick and Amber, do you guys have any questions? Because I feel like I'm, I'm, my mind is swimming right now. I, uh, oh, so do you want to go? No, go ahead, Nick. Right. I just, I really want to know what, uh, like, the typical diet is like for a fencer. And, like, are there certain foods that, like, improve your reaction time? Or, yeah. Uh, honestly, there is no diet. A lot of my teammates, they just, they ate whatever they want. Just me, specifically. I, 
I always ate really clean. And I found that when I eat less sugar, I'm faster. And also like with core, because sugar slows you down. Um, also learned that from personal experience when I was 12, I was in Phoenix, Arizona competing at a national event, decided to eat, like I was at the hotel, they had breakfast and I decided to eat a sugary blueberry muffin. It was such a terrible choice. I felt so sluggish when I was warming up. So from then on, eat really clean. Don't, don't eat sugars. Okay. Um, we theorize, or I theorize that it might help like right before, if you had like coffee or a Red Bull or like a five hour energy, do what, what do you think? Would that have helped? Or like, did people do stuff like that? Just down a Red Bull before a duel? Yes, people did drink Red Bulls and energy drinks. Um, I personally stayed away from energy drinks, but in the coffee, I didn't drink coffee either. I drank coffee for school, not for fencing though. But um, in between my events, like after the pools, oh, I still have to go into the rules of how tournaments work, but um, basically you have breaks in between when people are calculating your preliminary event versus the direct elimination event. And that's your time to like refuel yourself, get some rest, um, eat some like light energy food, such as nuts, energy bars. Um, for me, like my substitute for energy drink was an energy gel. And do you guys know what those are? Yeah, like so those like Lucozade or Gatorade ones, right? I energy gel. Them. I, I didn't use Gatorade. I, forgot what brand I use, but. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I ate a gel or two. <laughs> okay, Amber, have you got any questions? Um, so I know that one difference between the three types um, of weapons, not only tools, is the shape. Mm -hmm. Is that true? And like, what's the difference between the shape and how does that like affect like how you fence? Yeah, um, that is true. The three different weapons, each has like a different shape. So foil has, so the thing covering the grip is called a bell guard and foil has the smallest bell guard. And then epe looks like a foil, except the bell guard is a lot larger and it sort of overlaps the grip by a little bit. So it's like a little shield with cupped edges. I'm trying to describe it, but um, Basically, foil, smallest bell guard, epe, larger bell guard, and saber is what most people envision a sword. Like when you see a musketeer, the bell guard, how it goes like around and you hold it. I know this is an audio recording. You guys see it. Yeah. And I think the audience wouldn't see my demonstration, but that's a saber. Um, does not have the, the basically, it's the bell guard with. Just imagine what musketeers hold, that classic musketeer sword. That is a saber. Okay, so you said you competed in the Junior Olympics five times, mm -hmm. but so the Junior Olympics aren't every four years, right? No, they're every year. Oh, they're every year. Okay, that makes sense. So like what years did you compete in and where did you get to go? Like, because I, <laughs> Nick's laughing. Cause, well, every know, four I years. <laughs> I did the math in my head. I was like, just since she's out like, the womb, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first Olympics when she was three months old. Damn. Well, no, I'm no. Like five times four is twenty, and I'm not even twenty. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So but, 
but where 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 is the, like the coolest place you got to travel for fencing or some of the coolest places um, i travel all across the nation i competing in my first junior olympics when i was 13 so that was 2015 and that was in richmond virginia and then like there's so many cities so i'm not going in order and i but a few cities were denver colorado cleveland ohio columbus ohio memphis and milwaukee honestly like the fencing tournaments they're always located in large cities but typically in the middle of nowhere i sound so bad when i say this but like it's very rare for them to be located in anaheim because um everyone wants to go to anaheim the convention center is our pretty expensive so it's more most affordable to pick a place like St. Louis or Kansas City where uh yeah they're the middle of nowhere but that's where most of the events are located like large cities with a name but at the same time eh. do you guys know what I think yeah mm -hmm. yeah okay so, so when did you decide at what age did you decide okay I know you came to UCLA eventually but like what was the process like that at one point you were just deciding to go to UCSD to to play there or to, to or to compete there. Okay, so my dream was always to compete in the NCAA championships, and I wanted to be an Olympian, but not anymore. <laughs> but um, I wanted to be on a Division One fencing team. I was recruited by UCSD like at the big like before senior year started, like October twenty eighteen. And I was recruiting the first round of recruiting. Um, NCAA recruiting goes in three rounds, like top choices, middle choices, I think backups or something like that. Um, but UCSD was not my dream school. My dream school was Wellesley College. Um, it's an all girls school in Boston. Well, in Wellesley next to Boston. And their fencing team was not like strong. They were division three, but I loved the school. Um, because I, I felt like, oh, it's all women's school, woman power, like Hillary Clinton graduated from there, Diane Sawyer, Madeline Albright, and I just wanted to be a part of that. Um, the unfortunate thing was because Wellesley was division three, they did not have the power to send me contracts. Um, so I was applied as a regular student, not right. a student athlete. Um, anyways, so signed my contract with UCSD and was just like, okay, I'll just go to UCSD, have a stronger fencing team if I don't get into Wellesley. But then when college decisions came out, I did get into Wellesley. But then the two coaches, so the UCSD coach asked me, are you going to like submit your roster information so we can post on our social medias? Like, hey, it's our new freshman um, teammates. Um, but I didn't reply yet, and the Wellesley and UCSD coaches ultimately found out, and they contacted each other, and they knew that I, like, was kind of tied to both schools, um, and the thing is, since I have my contract signed with UCSD, if I chose to go to Wellesley, the penalty would be I could not compete in NCAAs for my first year. Right. Um, so yeah, um, 
it was a really difficult decision because I don't like breaking contracts, but also my dream school was Wellesley, and then UCLA came around. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to ask, like, where did UCLA come in? Yeah, so then I got the decision from UCLA that I was accepted, and I was like, oh, darn it. So, like, originally UCLA was never in the picture because, like, I just wanted to do fencing in college, and... But the thing is, I don't want to do fencing as a career. I want to do film as a career. And I always loved filmmaking. Like I documented my fencing travels on YouTube when I was like competing and all inspired by the Shibitani siblings because they made vlogs of their travels. But yeah, um, I never so really essentially chose, uh, you know, going to UCLA as a regular student over competing or continuing to compete in fencing. Yes, it was such a tough decision. Sure. Like, filmmaking was always something I loved, but never had the chance to explore just because I was so focused on training. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so in order to like not like to pursue my, I basically looked at the future rather than the present. Like the present would be fencing, the future would be film. Um, so I chose the future, picked UCLA and also basically like didn't choose between the coaches it was kind of like a no to both coaches uh neither of them were happy but at least I didn't pick one over the other um this feels like every improv sketch where like two people are playing love interest and then whoever's like (laughs) like the girl or whatever just says like she chooses neither and like a third person comes comes on screen I don't know this this sounds so much like an improv sketch to me I'm like writing it in my head (laughs) yeah it does valentine's show let's go but um (laughs) Like, I mean, yeah. did you have any uh, desire to compete at UCLA? Because I know UCLA has like yeah. club fencing or. Okay, they do have a club fencing, but it's very. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's not the same. Not competitive at all. <laughs> um, but I wish UCLA has a fencing team. Like, they don't have an NCAA fencing team. Um, anyways, but my first quarter at UCLA, I felt so left out. Like, I was very antisocial. I saw all the other Div 1 athletes walking around, going to training, competing, living that competitive lifestyle, having teammates, like that group of friends. And uh, I just really missed it. And I I was antisocial, so I didn't really make any friends in my first quarter at UCLA. And I really doubted my decision of choosing UCLA. I thought if I, and because I had like a sleepover with the girls, at the Wellesley fencing team, I was like, oh, if I went to Wellesley instead of UCSD, even if I didn't compete my first year, I would still have like a group of friends because like, I was already friends with them. Um, but yeah, so that's how I felt in my first quarter of UCLA. But then I auditioned for LCC and that that's changed where everything. Yes, that's how the story wraps around. But that is why I like, honestly, it is because of LCC that I knew UCLA was the right decision cool I mean do you uh miss fencing at this point like do you wake up and like miss you know practices and like actually going out there and stabbing people I've been asked that a lot honestly like I I love the sport fencing like I do miss it but I try not to think about it because fencing is like nothing can make me happier than fencing and nothing can make me sadder than fencing as well like gotcha uh, fencing was such an emotional journey, but see, what you need to do is to write a fencing script for LCC. <laughs> that is the that's the way to, to get it all out there. 
about your niche. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So yeah. I have a question. So obviously we are in COVID. That's not a surprise to anyone, but I feel like fencing is a very COVID safe sport. Yeah, you're six foot away. You're wearing a mask. You're stabbing <laughs> each other. Like if you come close to me, I would just stab you. So that's the fencing joke about COVID. Federal mask. Um, have you gone back to a club or done any of that during COVID? I have not. Um, again, like now I just stay. It's so unfortunate, but I try to stay away from fencing now just because it really makes me sad. Um, yeah, I just tell myself that I'm focused on a new path now that's filmmaking and fencing is just something you leave in the past and some people are like, oh, you can still do fencing for fun. But like, it just hurts me because I I can't do recreation of fencing. Right. If I'm fencing, I want to be competitive. Um, and then if I'm doing recreation, I just feel that I'm training for no purpose. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, okay. Like a couple like random questions about fencing. Mm -hmm. So obviously, in when you when you break it down it is in some way or shape or form a combat sport so i want to ask did you have like because especially i'm asking because you're you're into you're in a theater club did you mm -hmm. have like choreograph like entrances with like walkout music and like <laughs> ring girls or anything like that i'm, I'm just trying to no not for individual events at least but um for team events oh my god just youtube the it woman's foil italian team they have a choreographed intro, like oh, they do a little dance to like show some team spirit. It's it's so choreographed, um, but no, no choreography in general. Okay, so yeah, it's like a procedure when you start like about which you guys would call a duel. Basically, um, you attach yourself to the strip. You. Um, test the lame, make sure the box is working, salute your opponent, and then on guard, ready fence, um, you compete, do the five touch bow or 15 touch if it's direct elimination. And then at the end of every bout, you have to salute your opponent, salute your referee and shake hands with your opponent. Wait, do you have to? If you like don't do it, is it like a, you know, like It'll a be, fuck you to the opponent? No, 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 if you don't do it, you'll be carded and kicked out of the event. Oh, ah. it's one of those, damn. Part of the rules. You need good sportsmanship. Oh, wow. Yellow card and red card, because I know that, like, yes, a lot of other sports have that, or is it just, like, one type of card where, like... Oh, no, no, no. We have yellow cards, red cards, and black cards. Um, So, yellow cards are, like, a penalty card, for example, like a warning if you're covering your... This doesn't really happen... Like, this example doesn't work for Epe, because Epe, the target is everywhere. But for foil and saber, if you are covering your target with your hand, for example, um, you would be carded. Um, or if, sorry, you will be yellow carded, like a warning. And if you do it again, that yellow card, like two yellow cards would become a red card. And a red card would be an automatic point to the opponent. Um, and other ways you can get yellow cards um, include starting to fence before the referee um, says fence basically before he, the referee says start um, it's sort of like ready set go but in fencing we use the terms on guard ready fence uh, 
or if you're at international level, they use the French terms. Uh, it's like en garde pre LA. Um, yeah, and then ways to get black cards. Um, an example of how one of my teammates' dad got a black card was the D, the direct elimination, which was like the final bout, just eliminating people until you reach the top of the tableau. The score was 14-14, and the referee gave the touch, the point to her opponent. And my teammate's dad just said F you to the referee, and he got carded and kicked out of the entire venue. Hey, Tiff, I have to ask, what's the worst thing you've ever done? What's the worst thing you've ever done to get a card of any color? I have never gotten a black card. I've yeah. gotten plenty of red cards before. Like every fencer has. Um, oh, okay. it's, it's not like rare. It's very common for cards to happen. Oh, what's a red okay. card again? Red card is automatic point to the opponent. So basically oh, okay. you're given yellow cards, but two yellow cards equals a red card. Mm -hmm. So a red card is an automatic point to the opponent. And if you get another yellow card, it's also a red card. So you get one yellow card, second yellow card becomes a red card, and then red card, red card, red card. Okay, and you get them. Oh, sorry. Nick, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and so you get these cards by like, like, you know, unsportsmanship and like, like, is it like jumping too soon or? Yeah, like starting before the referee allows okay. you to or covering your target. Um, like, I mean, I just found it so interesting that it's, you have to like showing good sportsmanship is part of the sport and like you can get penalized for not doing it. Like the only other times you can, I can really think of that is in gymnastics where I know you have to salute the ref. Yeah. But um, it's weird to me that, you know, cause fencing such a like combative sport that, you know, sportsmanship is a part of it. Cause in like boxing or like yeah, wrestling and stuff like that, you don't need to be sportsmanship. Like trash talk is just a part of the sport. So I, I really did assume that, um, trash talk was a part of fencing but I guess not yeah like it's it's a part of it there's some opponents where they get frustrated they just start cursing around um but like like will you ever like play mind games with your opponent like before the match you know talk like hey I'm a I'm I'm the champ I'm gonna kick your ass like stuff like that me personally no (laughs) yeah okay fair but yeah maybe yeah. Because, like, the image, right? Like, I feel like within fencing, it's a very, I feel like, it, when I think of it, at least a very posh, like, high-class sport, right? Yeah, chivalry. Yeah. Being a to, like, your opponents and everyone. Well, like, MMA and boxing, like, yeah. that, all that, all that, sh- like, shit-talking is part of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Tiff, another question I wanted to ask you is, um, I know you said fencing is like a super safe sport, but what are like the injury risks? Because I'm assuming with all the like the lunging you do, your yeah. you know your calves and like the ACLs, MCLs are definitely at risk at some point. Like, I definitely. What are like the fencing injuries? Have you had any fencing injuries? Definitely, I have like long term injury from fencing. Um, aside from mental, like but <laughs> like physical injuries um, from all the lunging, I have patella tendonitis on both knees. Um, so. It was like around seventh grade where in between my training days, my dad would also have me have private um, strength training sessions. And I would have to run up and down like ramps and stairs and really overworked my knees. So it got to a point where I couldn't walk without a knee brace. Um, So, or go up the stairs without like feeling pain, but 
So around seventh grade, I had to wear a knee brace on both knees and always wear a knee brace during training. Um, and then it gradually, like the patella tendonitis healed over time where I didn't feel pain anymore, but I depended on the knee brace where if I trained one day without the knee braces, I would go back to feeling pain. And that still applies to today. Like I went to the fencing club at UCLA just like, I think three times max. And every time I had to train with the knee brace, but like, I also barely fence at the fencing club cause there wasn't really anyone to fence. So like, did I need to wear a knee brace? Probably not just because there wasn't much fencing, but I still wear it just to protect myself like from further injuries. Another main injury that I had before the patella tendonitis was um, trigger finger on my third and fourth finger on my right hand, which is my weapon hand. Um, I still have it now, but it's less. Do you guys know what trigger finger is? It's is it where like it like crunch in? It's like, where like your fingers lock. Uh, also right. mm. overworking the hand, and also through fencing. Like again, I know this is an audio recording, so. No one will see it, but my right hand and left hand because of overworking. Wow. Damn. That's like, that's noticeable as well. Like when you just did that. Oh, but like also my entire right side is a lot more bulkier than my left side. It definitely decreased over time because I haven't trained for over a year, but. And did you always have to use your right? Like you just use which arm you prefer? A dominant side. All right, cool. Um, and basically, when I was younger and I went to the doctors and they would have you like touch your toes and see like the curvature of your back, they would think I had back issues because my right side was so much bulkier than my left side that my back was slanted. And they're like, oh, we need to get you x-rayed. I'm like, okay, sure. But I promise you, it's just the muscle. And it was just the muscle. Um, Damn. So those are some. Okay. Also but- bruises for sure from all the stabs. But bruises usually occur like when you're more younger because no one has good point control uh, as you get like more have as many random bruises but um sometimes the bruises can be pretty bad where you just have like a little point from the sword bruise where it's kind of like green and purple but like in general uh it's a very safe sport like it's not like you've never actually been like or you it's not really common for people to be like cut from a sword no like no concussions uh no cuts maybe blood but blood's also very unlikely yeah. it's a very protected sport. i mean yeah you can stub your toe and that can happen so mm-hmm. damn okay did you uh ever Amber, you're like... on mute. oh am i on mute oh no you're good oh, you're good okay. uh i just have one last question um for myself but what have you taken from like everything you learned in fencing to like real life? Because I know obviously you probably learned like patience and like discipline, just things like that. Discipline is for sure like one of them. Um, another one is time management, um, grit. And the biggest thing was like that I'm still working on. Something I really struggled with like during fencing was like, believing in yourself um yeah I I learned so much from fencing yeah I mean I'm sure I mean Nick and Amber do you guys have any final final questions for our guests I I just wanted to quickly ask if like uh, as part of your training regimen did you ever do like weight training or cardio or just mainly just just straight up fencing 
Um, I didn't really do weight training. A lot of it was like outside of the actual fencing, a lot of core. Um, core really increases stability and speed. And even though fencing is not about speed, it's about controlling your speed. Um, mm -hmm. It's not like who can be the fastest. Um, so that's why cocaine doesn't help. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, a lot of outside practice are just like footwork, um, endurance training, because you don't know how long a bout can be. Um, there is a three minute time limit mm -hmm. for like the prelimi preliminary bouts where you're um, putting to pools based on your preliminary ranking. Um, Oh, I didn't even get into the rules of how tournaments work, but... That's okay. I think the, the more interesting part is the actual, you know, the sword fighting of it. Stabby, stab, stab. Stab, stab, yeah. But, yeah, um, a lot of endurance training. Um, yeah, footwork endurance, point control. Point control is key. Um, and a lot of strategy. Like, it's more about... It's not like... I know you early, like earlier, Anish asked about choreography. Um, it's not really choreography, but a lot of watching with your eyes and just observing, trying to see beforehand of what your opponent's doing. Um, it's a really mental game. Mm -hmm. I think that's. I think that's a good way to sum it up and to end. But yeah, I, I feel like if anyone listened to this and they had no clue about fencing before, they definitely have some clue now. So thank you so much, Tiff, and thanks, Amber, for. Uh, giving us this idea <laughs> thank you for inviting me this was really yeah fun. no worries all right thanks everyone for listening and catch y'all next week